0: Ensure your next purchase is a real deal and shop authentic handbags, watches, sneakers, streetwear, and jewelry from eBay, backed by Authenticity Guarantee. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. You're listening to the New Yorker Poetry Podcast. I'm Paul Muldoon, poetry editor of the magazine. And on this programme, we invite poets to choose a poem from the New Yorker archive to read and discuss. Then we asked them to read one of their own poems that's been published in the magazine. And I'm delighted to say that my guest today is John Ashbery, who received the National Book Foundation's Medal for Distinguished Contribution to American Letters in 2011, and then in 2012... National Humanities Medal, presented by President Obama, and he's very graciously allowed us to stop by his apartment here in Manhattan today. John Ashbury, it's a great pleasure to talk with you.
1: Why, well, thank you, Paul. Same here.
0: <laughs> now, the poem you've chosen to read is The Lunatic by Charles Simic, and what is it in particular about that poem that caught your eye or your ear, indeed?
1: I guess the... Uh
0: the incredible lightness,
1: and at the same time toughness, that are both characteristic of uh, Charles's poetry.
0: One of the things I find amusing about it when I read it first is that we've, of course, been instructed that no two snowflakes uh, are yeah. alike; that they're all they're all quite uh, discreet; they're all very separate. No two are the same. Uh, so part of the wit of it has to do with this opening line: "The same yeah. snowflake."
1: And it also suggests that there's only one there, uh, which for some reason conjures up a nascent snowstorm for me.
0: Well, let's listen to uh, your reading of uh, The Lunatic by Charles Simic. The Lunatic.
1: The same snowflake kept falling out of the gray sky all afternoon, falling and falling and picking itself up off the ground. To fall again, but now more surreptitiously, More carefully, as night strolled over To see what's up.
0: It's quite funny, too. I mean, there are those who think, of course, for some reason, that humour in poetry (laughs) should be uh, discouraged. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they think that, but they do exist. Poetry should be serious. Not only serious, but deadly serious. Solemn.
1: Well, I think... Poetry ought to have everything in it, humor, tragedy, boredom, whatever is going on in one's mind at a given moment when one is writing.
0: One of the things I love about this is uh, Charles Simic's beautiful use of the everyday throwaway phrase, you know, the snowflake picking itself up off the ground, and then night strolling over to see what's up.
1: Yeah, and... um, We still don't know why the poem is called The Lunatic, whether the snowflake is the lunatic, or less probably it might be night, but uh, it may just be something or someone that's not in the poem,
0: which is an idea that I like. You know, one of the things, if I may say, that I love about your own poetry, and something you share, if I may venture this, with Charles Simic is a beautiful, beautiful command of the language of everyday speech. And I suppose since Wordsworth, poets have been more, at least since Wordsworth, maybe before, poets have been inclined to try to reflect much more how ordinary people quote-unquote speak. What's up? One might even send over to (laughs) what's up doc. Yes. Which could be a line, for, if I may say, from a John Ashbery poem.
1: <laughs> yes, well, uh, Warner Brothers cartoons have played a, a role in my poetry. They certainly I, have. I, I, uh, I, too, love the language of everyday in poetry, but also uh, sort of high-flown, high language of the kind everyday people use when they're trying to impress somebody. Right. Uh, I often include in the poem as well. In fact, as many kinds of talking as occurred to me at the moment of uh, of writing
0: so that leads us quite neatly to the poem you 're going to read for us uh, today. your own poem, which appeared in the august twenty sixth two thousand and thirteen issue of the New Yorker, a poem called Gravy for the Prisoners." And is there anything, do you think, that uh, as the poem flies past her or his ear that the listener might find helpful to know before we embark on this? There's a word there that's A-E-D-I-L-E.
1: That's a word that suddenly came to me from high school Latin, I think. <laughs> it's some kind of government official. I seem to remember Cicero talking about Edels. Well, I'll read it. Yes, please. I, should I read it first? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Gravy for the prisoners. I wouldn't try to capture it on the page or in a blog, the inauspicious leavings of a day. Closer to dream than the hum of streets and people who once walked along them. Yeah, I know. Know what I'm saying? The grounds were ultimately too large for the compound. A tree takes flight And patterns are coaxed into recurring on adjacent walls, out of thin air. No such titan ever visited during my days as aedile. Yet wisps still buttonhole us in random motes. Was it this you were expecting? And if not, why not?
0: You know, as we have the opportunity merely to hear it, it might be worth saying a word about the word motes. Which is M-O-A-T-S, i.e. in the kind of the uh, sometimes water-logged area around a castle, uh, rather than the M-O-T-E version of moat, random moats.
1: Yeah, perhaps I was thinking of the other spelling when I wrote this, because wisps would seem to lead
0: naturally to M-O-T-E-S. Yes, I mean, would you say a word or two. It's a huge subject, I know, but the pun is uh, again thought by some people to be a kind of almost inappropriate thing to have in a poem for some reason. Yet it seems to be one of the as I see it's one of the most natural things we tend to do the children do quite naturally and indeed that most newspaper editors seem to do quite naturally because virtually every headline is based on a pun certainly in the popular press could you say a word or two about the pun i tend to use puns just as a, a way of expanding
1: the meaning of a poem and uh, this brings us to the question, what do I mean by meaning? I don't know, really, except a, a bunch of things that are there to be looked at while one is reading a poem, and which cause one to think about other things and gradually return one to everyday life. Well, the title, actually, Gravy mm-hmm. for the Prisoners, we don't really know whether gravy is good or bad. It can be good or not so good in the sense of it's all gravy, meaning it's all a benefit, something good. Yes. Or maybe the gravy in the prison wasn't so nice and the prisoners were going to start rebelling.
0: So it goes in two ways at once. There's a tension between those two, yeah. those two readings. And I suppose it's in the tension often between the various readings of a poem that, uh, in fact, you might say the poem resides. Yes, and i I didn't set out to uh use
1: a double meaning in the word in that word, for instance, but it's something that
0: I guess is so built in for me and for perhaps other poets. Do you think of yourself indeed even writing the poem, or do you think of the poem writing itself? I'm not sure I think of either one once I'm
1: writing, I kind of forget myself and forget the poem as well uh, and it, it, uh, it writes itself in a way and when I've finished it I've, I'm uh, usually quite surprised at what I've written and, and indeed at the fact that I've written something at all which seems quite remarkable to me
0: See, my theory would be that uh, if you're surprised then the rest of us stand a chance <laughs> of being surprised Well <laughs> And that's a good thing I hope so. I, I,
1: I like the idea of offering the reader a surprise, uh, not an unpleasant one, however, which uh, I'm afraid some is what some people take away from my uh, work, but uh, a nice surprise.
0: Well, listen, John Ashbury, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for talking to us about gravy for the prisoners. It's all, it's all gravy for us in the good <laughs> sense, I have to say. And uh, The Lunatic by Charles Simic, which is the poem that John Ashbury read earlier on, as well as uh, your own poem, John Ashbury Gravy for the Prisoners, can be found on newyorker.com. And uh, John Ashbury's latest book of poems is Quick Question. And may I give you a quick thank you? Thank you. <laughs> you can subscribe to this free podcast in the
1: iTunes store. You can also hear poems from the magazine read by the authors in the digital edition for tablets and phones, available at no extra charge for magazine subscribers from the App Store or from Google Play. Theme music is The Pentagree Ferryman from the album The Highlander's Farewell by Alistair Frazier and Natalie Haas from Colburny Records. The New Yorker Poetry Podcast is produced by Owen Agnew for Curtis Fox Productions and NewYorker.com with help from Elizabeth Dennison.